0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. A church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. This week, uh, Thursday, I found out out that I'd be covering for Mark, and my thought immediately, and Virginia asked me, well, do you have a psalm that fits with Afghanistan? And... uh, I thought, you know, last week when we covered Psalm 22, that uh, the intensity of that psalm was maybe sufficient for us to last for a while. And uh, if you want a psalm that fits with Afghanistan, if you want a psalm that fits with uh, Ida, the storm that's bearing down on Louisiana, uh, if you want a psalm that goes with uh, COVID and the pandemic, I would suggest to you Psalm 107. Psalm 107 covers the human condition uh, and its extremities and God's redemptive provision in the midst of that. But I'm not doing Psalm 107. (laughs) I needed a break from the intensity that we covered in Psalm 22 last week. I needed sort of refreshment and renewal, and uh, the Psalms of Ascent give me that. So I'm sharing these three Psalms with you uh, this morning. The Psalms of Ascent, when you think about it, there's 15 Psalms from Psalm 121 to Psalm 134. And in these 15 Psalms, five sets of three... There is a progression that the Israel pilgrims prayed as they moved up, because Jerusalem is the high point in uh, Israel, as they moved up to worship in the temple during the feast days Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, Pentecost. And you can imagine the sociological and relational impact of people. Gathering together and actually moving that this was there in a way their vacation time, moving together to worship the Lord together in Jerusalem. and there seems to be a pattern in these psalms in these five sets of three, a pattern that the first morning psalm was a psalm that underscored the distress. Of life, the realities of life. And then the second psalm uh, dealing with God's deliverance and our dependence upon God. And then the evening psalm, the psalm underscoring doxology. So, in a way, there's a pattern within the three psalms that we're starting out and acknowledging the pressures we're under. And in the middle of the day, we're underscoring our dependence upon the Lord, His deliverance. And then in the evening, where we're sitting down by a campfire, we're projecting ourselves to Zion and what it means to be in the presence of God. Morning, noon, and night, prayers that the pilgrims prayed on their way to Jerusalem. Now, the pattern in Psalm 126, 127, 128 is a little different from that. Uh, and that's difference uh, I'd like to just draw out, hopefully simply, uh, in our time together. Let's pray. Lord God, we bow in your presence. We pray for those in the path of Ida, for the impact that this has on millions of people, as they prepare for the storm, as they have evacuated, as their businesses and lives face uh, another situation of upheaval. We do pray for your sustaining grace. We pray for the witness of your people in the midst of this extraordinary circumstance. We do pray, Lord, for these next few days, especially in Afghanistan and for... Uh, The thousands of troops that are there now, we ask, Lord, for those that are desperate to get out of Afghanistan, Afghans and Americans, we pray that uh, for passage out and that for your help in the midst of uh, such a, a difficult circumstance. We do thank you, and we pray especially for the comfort of these 13 families that uh, have had uh, loved ones killed uh, who are serving uh, the country and so concerned to help Afghans and Americans get out. We pray for your comfort, sense of your peace, and again for the witness of your church in the midst of it. We pray, Lord, for those that are in the front line of fighting this uh, pandemic For nurses and for doctors and hospital staff Uh, we ask that you would give them your sustaining grace and that you would help them Uh, we realize it has been such a long haul we pray for those in our congregation that are suffering from COVID those that have lost loved ones we continue to pray for your help and your sustaining grace in their lives Now, Lord, we do ask for encouragement um, from your word. In the name of our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. In thanksgiving, amen. So, extraordinary times. And yet, I would say that these psalms are kind of a liturgy of the ordinary. These are psalms that can be prayed every day. These are psalms that issue out of our life. So if you have your phone, um, I used to always, when I taught, have a page in which I put the scripture on. And then some of my comments to guide our thinking and that you could take away with you. I don't want to do that going forward because I want you to bring your Bibles uh, in whatever form you bring your Bibles. Um, So I'm resisting my own teaching urge to give you a lesson plan. But uh, Psalm 126, listen carefully, this is God's word. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This first psalm in the trilogy underscores remembering. The second will be renewing and the third rejoicing. Remembering the past and God's redemptive movement, his salvation, that's what we have to remember. If we don't remember that, we will not feel like rejoicing. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Now, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, I Have a Dream speech was uh, celebrated yesterday, the anniversary of that speech. We were like those who dreamed. Now, when Martin Luther King Jr. spoke of that, he projected a dream off in the future of, uh, I think, an eschatological kind of vision. Uh, For the Israelite praying this psalm, he's underscoring what God has already done in the past, the exodus, the conquering of the promised land, the establishment of worship in Jerusalem, and the anointing of David the king. Those are the kind of things that were coming to mind. God has identified himself with this people, and we rejoice. Our mouths are filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Now, there is a New Testament projection that we can easily supply to Psalm 126. 1 Peter is is a book that was written to marginalized, displaced Christians because of their faith, feeling like foreigners even in their own homeland. But the Apostle Peter begins by describing our new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then he goes on to say, we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In other words, at any point in this liturgy of the ordinary, we ought to be able to stop and realize what God in Christ has given to us in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of uh, the world political situation. That's what the psalmist is suggesting. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord's done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. In our guest room, we have uh, that verse, verse 3, in large calligraphy uh, that was uh, done artistically for us by uh, a friend in our church in san diego the lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy and the occasion of her writing that was our daughter's wedding Um, is it 10 years ago yeah 10 years ago now and uh, that's a line that has characterized uh, their marriage and their family for this decade the lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy And note, would you, that that doesn't uh, preclude all of the difficulties and the challenges and the struggles because those struggles then are referred to in this psalm. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev, in the midst of the desert. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. It does not preclude the suffering and the difficulty. Nevertheless, The psalmist, and part of it is a spiritual discipline here to acknowledge that the difficulties are not the totality of life. It's not the all of life. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Remembering, remembering what the Lord has done for us remembering what the Lord is doing and will do. I have really enjoyed reading uh, James Rebank uh, this this past summer, two books, and I've referred to them uh, multiple times already, uh, The Life of the Shepherd and then The Pastoral Song. And the Pastoral Song is a critique of modern farming and a uh, really insightful book on, on food and food production and all of that. A Pastoral Song, A Farmer's Journey. He's a uh, England Lake District farmer with an Oxford education. But he says this at the end of his book. Away across the silver-shadowed field, the barn owl tacks from side to side, backward and forward. Then, eyed, locked on its prey, it folds its wings back and falls like an arrow into the grass. We hold our breath for a few silent seconds that seem to last forever. Then the owl lifts up from the grass, labors slightly back to a gate stoop, carrying a small, shuddering, brown corpse, and we breathe. If you didn't get my reading, he's describing the descent and the attack of an owl picking up a mouse. Then he says this, there is nothing beyond this, nothing higher, nothing more profound than those simple things, nothing that matters more than trying to live our little life. On this piece of land this is my inheritance to my children this is my love I think it's so sad so sad that a person who loves the land so much so sad who a person who has such a writing gift so sad that he will say of all of that there is nothing more nothing 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 In Christ we believe that uh, there is so much more, so much more, so much more than what we simply see and the wrestles of the ordinary life and the daily life. There's a reason why we love the land because it was created by a living God. Uh, there's reasons why we apply our mind because our reason and our capacities have been given to us by God. Um, beautiful book. I just wish he had more to give to his children than the legacy of nothing, nothing, nothing. Psalm 126, remembering. Psalm 127, Uh, As a person who teaches pastoral theology and works with students to prepare them for being pastors, I love Psalm 127. I am committed to the priesthood of all believers. I believe every person in this room is as called as I am. We all um, are waiting upon the work of the Lord. Psalm 127, we're calling this the, the noonday psalm in our sequence. Unless the Lord builds the house... The builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and you stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. That's my wife's favorite verse. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Well, the beginning of the psalm, the whole psalm, focuses on our dependence upon the Lord. First, on the personal and familiar relational level unless the lord builds the house its builders labor in vain and then on the social unless the lord watches over the city the guards stand watch in vain and then over our vocational life in vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat on all counts the psalmist would underscore our dependence upon the lord When I think of the New Testament, I think of the the verse in Ephesians, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. The Lord takes the lead in all of this. We are, we underscore our dependence and our submission, our surrender, to the Lord, uh, we really believe that that is the way to self-fulfillment is through this uh, underscoring of what the Lord has done and will do. Uh, you might ask yourself in the light of this psalm, where did you learn your work ethic? When you think about who is most responsible for developing with you within you a sense of work. Uh, who 's responsible for that? I would have to say, for myself, my parents, um, I remember doing the kitchen floor three times until I got it right um, and uh, you know i looked back i I look back on that initially. I thought that was just an authority play um, but then I came to realize that uh, uh, my parents were teaching me well how to work. I remember working with my dad as he was building our upstairs room and he had worked on an intricate piece of wallboard, plasterboard, and uh, he gave it to me to put up and I knew you know he had worked a long time because it was an interesting configuration at at a corner and uh, I had it for about a minute before I put a hole in it. and I remember my dad not reacting at all, just taking it and recutting it and then giving it back to me to do. Um, you know, that, I don't remember him saying anything on that. But, uh, you know, what he could have done was gotten really mad and then done it himself. Uh, The suggestion that should come from this psalm in terms of the work ethic is that we pay attention to how God has worked. So our work ethic has to mature beyond that of our parents or beyond that of our mentors and uh, people we've apprenticed under. Uh, It also goes to God. How did God create? How does God show compassion? Immerse yourself in scriptures and you see God's sympathy and his empathy and you see God's exactitude, you see God's patience, you see God's long-suffering, you see God relating in a way to develop and to mature people. Unless the Lord builds the house. Wonderful verse for a church, isn't it? Because how does the Lord build the household of faith? Uh, And are we paying attention to all of that? now you know in english class they made a big deal about mixing your metaphors and i think uh, the psalmist would drive any english teacher crazy because they just didn't pay attention to that rule there is a kind of uh, there's a beautiful artistic freedom in the psalms Uh, Painting a picture, you know, just a kind of a, a very brief sketch icon, a watercolor if you want, that gra- that says so much. Uh, so we switch from the personal, social, and vocational aspects of Psalm 127. And then children. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Uh, This is a good uh, psalm to remind us that uh, the measure of life is not in our achievements, but in our relationships. And our relationships are a gift from the Lord that we have not orchestrated, but that in His sovereignty He has conducted and organized for us Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Uh, some of us have, uh, because of infertility issues, uh, because of life issues, uh, children have become a, you know, a great intention. You know, children were never to become our immortality symbols. They were never to become the substitute for God. Uh, They were never to become the blessing that becomes the main thing. Uh, And I think all those in the family of God need to watch out that they don't what project themselves into their kids, make life all about their kids, close in on this nuclear family. Nevertheless, the, the children of our families, the children of our church, they are a heritage from the Lord. We have two adopted boys who now are, are around forty. Um, so, uh, and they were adopted from the hospital, um, and we have a daughter that surprisingly came along um, naturally. I guess the Lord wanted to prove to us that uh, natural conception and adoption were equal um, because that's what we've learned through this uh, our family experience Uh, like arrows in the hands of a warrior now how did that metaphor come into play children are a heritage from the Lord like arrows in the hands of a warrior and as a college student that bothered me because I didn't see the connection children are a heritage and arrows in a quiver um, and then uh, I heard Dwayne Lifton who is the president of Wheaton College offer a meditation on this and you may have already gotten there but it took me a while to get there um, what do you do with an arrow you shoot it and it has this trajectory and he's likening children here to the trajectory, the heritage, the legacy. Uh, I have some influence in my son's teaching at Northwest University in Kirkland, Washington. There's a bit of me and Virginia in his teaching. It's kind of obvious. I have a son who worked for many years uh, as a lifeguard in um, San Diego, then set up a lifeguard team in Costa Rica. And I, I got to say that literally hundreds of lives that he has saved in the Pacific Ocean off Costa Rica, off what was called Death Beach, I take a little credit for that. <laughs> of course, he's doing something that I never, ever could have done, but uh, ah, it's an arrow shot out there. My daughter graduated from Beeson Divinity School, and they are giving pastoral service at the Covenant Presbyterian Church, an EPC church in San Diego in North Park, an edgy, uh, somewhat grungy um, part of San Diego. And I'll tell you, I take some credit for that ministry there. Um, and I, I, I've got to say, too, that... Um, my three children, partly because uh, I just i guess reality, but money would not have been a sufficient incentive for what they do it just didn 't ever really compute i, ne- I don 't even thought they they never really went through a crisis of well, if I choose this profession i 'm not going to get the kind of salary that is all that great um, and and it 's just it 's really interesting, I think the, um, I, the partly is that generation too I think are, are are looking for meaning and significance in their vocational life. I think that can be found, and you can be remunerated well, but the issue has to be more than than money, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one 's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. The relationships we build are our best defense. And because of the blessing of the Lord, as time goes on, we really should not feel lonely, um, but surrounded in the household of faith. That's not always easy. So, remembering in the past, renewing, I think Psalm 127 fits with the present. And then Psalm 128, just so that we get this in, um, and it's rejoicing. Now, in the sequence, we're, we're in Zion now. We're projecting, the pilgrims are, into the presence of God. Psalm 128, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Image, watercolor, oil, whatever. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine. It speaks volumes. Just a short statement, but it speaks volumes. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the, Lord, for the man who fears the Lord. Now notice that verse 4, for the person who fears the Lord. In verse 1, blessed are those who fear the Lord. Blessing and fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is a bound phrase. It doesn't mean we dread the Lord. It means that with every ounce of energy and concern of mind, we really want to live for the Lord. It's the difference between being concerned that you're going to get in trouble with your parent, with a father or mother, and the desire not to displease them because you love them so. You really want to make them proud, as it were, not because there's some compulsion over you. Some kids get that confused, some parents get that confused. Uh, Verse 5, May the Lord bless you from Zion. Operative word here is blessing. And what is the blessing? Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but has the fear of the Lord. He or she is like a tree planted by streams of water. Or blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for they will... Receive the kingdom of God. Blessings all through here, but the blessing is not on the sense of meriting God's grace. It is underscoring the mercy of God's grace, that life is lived not to achieve, but what we've received by God's grace. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. Wouldn't this be a great title for this, the prosperity gospel? I'd love to preach a message on Psalm 128 entitled, The Prosperity Gospel. Built all on God's grace, and not about money, but about the richness of God's blessing and relationships and worship. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. These three psalms are good liturgy for the ordinary. And I'll just... uh, there's two themes actually in psalm 128 that strike me one is prosperity and the other is perfection and this is in no way a description of the american disease of perfectionism but this is the kind of perfection that when jesus was talking in the sermon on the mount be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect This is the kind of perfection that takes in the accounts of our weaknesses and our difficulties. But Kathleen Norris writes, To be perfect, in the sense that Jesus means it, is to make room for growth, for the changes that bring us to maturity, to ripeness. To mature is to lose adolescent self-consciousness, so as to be able to make a gift of oneself as a parent, as a teacher, as a friend, as a spouse. The liturgy of the ordinary, remembering, renewing, and rejoicing. Ordinary spirituality that's not cramped into a little corner, but expands to the whole of life. Let's pray. Lord God, thanks for the Psalms, for your speaking to us in language that grips our heart and our mind. I thank you, Lord, for the trajectory of New Testament grace that brings them out in vivid color. Together we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.